had this question. Where did Cain get his wife? Has anybody ever asked that question before? Yeah. Who, who, else, who else had that? Have you ever, you, you've wondered, but you've been, you've never asked. Anybody else wondered and? Just wondered. Or just wondered. <laughs> just stopped and have, wondered. <laughs> have you ever been asked that question by somebody else? Yeah, it is a quite common question. So if you'll go in Genesis real quick, and remember, we look at Scripture, and one of the first uh, kind of, if you will, guidelines to interpret the Bible is that Scripture interprets Scripture. So how do we begin to understand and answer questions is we always start with, what does the Bible already say about the subject? Because Scripture will answer and interpret scripture so the verse in question is always genesis chapter 4 verse 17 and it says and cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore enoch and he built a city and called the name of the city after his son enoch so there it is everybody says well where did cain get his wife right so anybody want to go ahead? And... Well, he married a close relation, either a sister or possibly a niece. The Bible's not clear which. If you go over just another chapter to chapter five, and this is a neat one. It's, it's the book of the family or the genealogy of Adam. So we'll start in verse one. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. And the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son of his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. Now we know Seth was which son of Adam? He was the third son. What was the first son's name? Cain. Abel. Cain, then Abel, then Then Seth. Seth. Those are the only named children of Adam that we know. Cain, Abel, and Seth. But when you look at this, it says in verse 4, And he begot Seth, and the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So after Seth, Adam had more children. We don't know how many more, but we know it was at least plural, because he had sons, plural, and daughters, plural. Right, So as mankind would have started, those brothers and sisters would have begun to marry one another and have children. So again, Cain either got his wife as a sister or as a niece. Right, But it would have been a close family relation. Some other things to look at. You back up to Genesis chapter 3. It says in verse 20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. She's kind of like Mother Nature. Yeah, she's not like Mother Nature. Don't get confused with that. But here the Bible says that she, Eve, is the mother of all living people. That is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Right? So everyone, because one of the skeptic things that is said is that God created a separate group of humanity that's not mentioned in the Bible. But biblically, that's not founded or untrue. Because Eve 
was the mother of all living. Uh-huh. Well, it's interesting. Why do people care who's Cain, who is Cain's wife? Uh, because when you say and you look at it and you suppose Cain married a sister, we instantly interpret in today's times of, oh, well, that's incest. That's evil. That's wicked. And back in those days, it that's wasn't. How, that's how they kept family lineage going. What, and again, so the best example I've heard is, uh, again, I, and I used you the other day when I was explaining it to the kids, Tony, because I think when they were with you while we were gone, you took them to a spring on your land that was coming out and y'all drank the water as it came out of the spring. Is that right? I didn't see that part. The kids no, probably did. They did. Well, we're going we're gonna to go that that's what happened. And it's all good. And so... Um, but I don't know if you've ever seen, we've seen when we lived in Canada, we went to places where rivers came out of the ground, went to the headwaters of places. But for example, using the spring, if water's coming out of the ground, is it pure? Yes. Should be. And it's drinkable from there. But if you go a thousand miles downstream, what happens? It's it picks pure. up stuff along the way. So you have to remember that And back to Audra's question, from an evolutionary standpoint, people who are secular humanists, evolutionists, their belief system says the world is consistently improving through the process of evolution. But what we know from scripture and from studying science, and again, it's called the law of entropy or Newton's second law of thermodynamics, everything tends towards decay. So from a biblical worldview, the closer we get to creation, the purer everything gets. The further away from creation, it's kind of like that river analogy, everything, including our genes, gets more and more diluted, dirtied, watered down. That's why you see almost 2,500 years later, after this, Moses is led by God to institute in the Mosaic law, yes, here's the line, you cannot marry any longer closer than, it's like a second cousin or third cousin, or it's lined out in in Mosaic law. But only at that point did then God say, yes, at this point, no more close relational marriage. Yes? Yeah, speak up, if you're going to talk. Okay, hold on just a minute. Don't change subjects on us. Okay, good question. I'll answer it in just a second. Okay, and so, but when, when you look at that, right, you understand that the closer to creation, gene pools were purer, things were stronger, things were cleaner, right? It wasn't until later that God said, no, now that's not good for man. But all throughout the Old Testament, before the Mosaic Law, you see tons of examples of close relational marriage. Again, you look at Noah's grandkids. Who would they have married? They would have married their first cousins, right? Right. You look even at Abraham himself. He married Sarah, who was his half-sister, right? You look at people like, again, uh, Isaac and Rebekah. They would have been first cousins. You look at Jacob with both Leah and Rachel. They would have been like first or second cousins. They would have been close. So all through that time before the Mosaic Law, 
there was a pattern of a lot closer family marriages that wasn't evil. It wasn't against God's command. It wasn't wicked. It was just the way it was. And not over, again, for our brain, that kind of goes tilt because we're so far down the line. And we have not only now biblical law from Moses to consider, but we actually have uh, man-made laws. We have, <laughs> there are governmental laws now that govern and dictate to us that are in place. So does that make sense? Yeah. So where did Cain get his wife? He got it. He got her from either a sister or a niece. Back to finish up Alder's question about why did that matter. I do think, find it humorous that many times evolutionists ask this question thinking they're debunking the Bible. Yet evolutionists believe that all creatures come from one single source mm -hmm. of genetic material mm -hmm. that made everything. Yet when you suppose, well, no, Cain would have married a close family relation, they go, well, that's impossible. That can't be. Yet at the same time, they say, well, we all came from mm -hmm. one little thing, one single cell organism that made everything. Now to kind of answer Selah's question, if you go to Acts chapter 17, Chapter 17, verse 26. And it says, and here Paul is preaching on Mars Hill. And he says in verse 26, and he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. So where does every nationality on planet earth come from? From one blood. One bloodline. Whose bloodline is that? Adam. Adam and Eve. So now here, let, let's go ahead and have this conversation. We haven't had it here. You know, I've had it in multiple other places since we moved back to Alabama. So it's probably about time we had this conversation amongst us. Do you understand that from a biblical perspective, there is no such thing as multiple races? Just the human race. Right, I love that. one of my favorite Baptist ministers, Dr. Bodie Botcom, and he's an African-American fella, and I love him. He's big, played football, and, and he was asked one time, well, Dr. Bodie, do you believe in interracial marriage? He goes, well, of course not. Any one of my kids come home with anything other than a human, you can't marry that. <laughs> but as long as they're human, and they're born again, and they love Jesus... A yes. It's a yes because there is no such thing. Do you understand that what we're fighting today, quote unquote, in the theory of racism, I call it like this, and it's a little bit bold, it's a myth. Racism as we're fighting it from a biblical perspective is mythic. Now I agree with you, there are multiple nationalities there are multiple ethnicities. There are multiple cultures that must be considered. But there are not multiple races. And what we're actually fighting is an age-old sin. It's the sin of prejudice. But how many of you know prejudice 
transcends, all transcends ethnicities because there's white folk that are pre prejudiced of other white folk. Let me just throw it out there and I'll just see if I can just make fun of us. What do y'all think about them people? What about them over the mountain people? Yeah, those rich snooty ones, right? Have y'all ever, have you ever heard some prejudice sounding language come out when people go, oh, they're brookies. Well, that's the same prejudice that fuels, oh, well, they're the N-word. It's the same thing. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching real good. They're the Mexicans. Right. Does that make sense? But there is no such thing as racism. Right? Neither voice squeaks. I'm sorry. There is no such thing as racism. Now, if you go back to Genesis to answer Sailor's question, where did people, where did black people come from? Where did yellow people come from? Brown people, right? Uh, do I miss anybody? Red people, what did I say red? Do I miss any colors? No. Like the rainbow? No. Right? Genesis what? Genesis chapter, I believe it's 11. I gotta just get there. My pages are sticking together here. <laughs> Purple people eaters, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, back up chapter 10. Jim? He was brown. That's right. Well, here's, what, well, here's the thing. Do you, all, do you all understand that all of us are actually varying shades of brown? Yeah. That when you actually look at us, right... And you actually look at our melon, it's all, it's all brown. It's just different shades of brown. <laughs> right? Well, you, you remember in the Bible where we built in the Tower of Babel. That's right. All the way to heaven. The reason why God come down and stopped them because everybody was trying to use the same language and he dispersed them and sent them out to the places where they needed to go. And gave them the language they needed to speak. Well, and, and Brother Bert, I, I absolutely agree. Well, here's the thing with even Babel. That's that's back in. If you read chapter ten, you read what's called, and we won't read it for here for time, but you read what's called the Table of Nations, right? That comes through. Now, if you look at chapter eleven, as Brother Bert was saying about the Tower of Babel, right? Yeah. It says now the whole earth had one language and one speech. So back up until this time, there was only one language on planet Earth. Everyone shared a common tongue. The, the problem wasn't their common tongue. The problem was what has always been is you had people who did not want to obey God. Because when you read beforehand, God had told Noah and his descendants, disperse, fill the earth, cover the earth. And the very first thing that one of Noah's grandsons, Nimrod, did is he says, we will not obey God and disperse. We will gather together and build a city of our own making. And we will begin to establish our own connection to God. We will begin to do things our way, the way we want, not in accordance to his instruction. And God said, because they were so united through their language, he saw that, that there was nothing that could stop them. So he comes down, 
He had already promised he couldn't destroy and wouldn't destroy the earth again with water. So he comes down and disperses mankind with languages to fulfill his instruction mm-hmm. to disperse the earth. So as people were divided up, and again, and, and now this is, you hear me say this jokingly many times, this is a bradology, okay? I'm a, I'm a very, 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 everybody say very. Very. Very minor linguistic person. I like knowing where languages come from. So there, there are seven rootstock languages, seven. So you can take every current language on planet Earth and trace it back to what they call seven rootstocks. I personally think when God divided the languages, he divided them into those rootstocks. So there were seven root groups of people who began to gather together and go out into all the world. So as they did so, Selah, what happened is, is through genetics, certain traits began to congregate together. And the other side of this is the, in the marvelous wonderness, wonderfulness of, wonderness is not a word, but <laughs> wonderfulness of God in our gene pool inside of every human. So let me back up. We talked about this before. So there was in the 80s and the 90s, there was a scientific project done called the Human Genome Project. You can reach it up. It took them 20 years to do. And in the Human Genome Project, they discovered another layer of genetic material that they called epigenetics inside of us. Anybody ever ran like Word, a Word document on a Windows or Mac platform? Right. So if you ever like, you know, you open up your document on Word and you type something on the page and then you go up to edit. And depending on what you did on the page, when you drop down edit, there are commands. Some of those commands are bold and some of those commands are kind of shadowed. What do you know when it says it's bold? You can use those. You can use it. What do you know when it's shadowed? You can. That's your genetic material. Epigenetics turns on things through environment, Mm -hmm. diet, habits, attitudes, Choices. choices. So you're writing today on a document and what you're writing today is literally turning on and off genetic choices that you'll pass on to your children. Mm-hmm. If you're under, it's another reason why the, the Bible says what the father does gets passed on to the second and third, even the fourth generation. Right? So there's literally, they now know habits of eating that I did now, I passed on to all of them genetically. Because mm-hmm. I turned on things. So when people began, say, to travel, and we all have melanin in them, and their environment began to go to a place that was more sunny, arid, hot, and there was need to protect the skin, epigenetics kicks on, and their melanin starts to darken. And then as those people married each other, it darkened and darkened and darkened. As they married each other, it darkened and darkened and darkened. So, so black people came through God's wondrous design to protect mankind from the elements that were around. Does that make sense? But are they still human? Absolutely. Are they still made in the image of God? Absolutely. So how many races on the planet are there? One. There's one race. 
again, and, and even biologically understand. We, and normally I wish Cedric was here. I see you, buddy. I'll get to you in just a second. Is I wish Uncle Cedric was here, right? Is that you can see a difference between, say, myself and Cedric, who is African American, but those visible differences make up 4% of your biology. So how much of our biology is the same? 96. So 96% of every human being is the same. That's why we can share blood, organs, material, deep, all of that. Does that make sense? We're not different races. Mm-hmm. We're one race. Mm-hmm. One image-bearing race of God. Mm-hmm. That all come in varying shades of brown that is determined by our ancestral heritage and where we came from. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like again, another example of that, we did some study like in Fiji, the men who dive in their lung divers, Fijian men have the largest lungs on planet Earth. Right? A Fijian man can hold his breath and dive for up to five to six minutes before he comes up. And that's because over so many generations of having to gather your livelihood from the coral reefs, epigenetics began to expand lung capacity in those men. Isn't that cool? Very cool. So that's why we understand that from eight people, because we didn't read that verse, we understand how many people went into the ark? Eight. How many people came off the ark? Eight. Eight. So from eight people came everyone we're talking about in the Tower of Babel. So that means that all the genetic variants that you see today was inside Noah and his sons and his daughters. Daughters-in-law. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. All, does that make sense? Does that help? You see how the Bible answers these things? And not only do they answer questions that people have, but they also help us answer our cultural things now. Right? Because, guys, listen, if y'all could help me, there, if I could, there's two messages I love. One of them is this one. If we could convince people that what they're fighting for is a myth. Mm-hmm. Imagine how that would change our world. If everybody had an understanding of there is no difference between us. See, that's what our forefathers nationally understood. Right? All men were created equal. How did they understand that? From Genesis. Right? Now again, um, and then I'll just keep going to this. Okay, remember that... Don't forget, Caleb, I have a question. Okay, I got you, Caleb. You still got your question? Give me just a second, son. So you have to remember that Genesis and the New Testament are tied together. How many of you ever heard, especially from our camp, a charismatic brother or sister say... Oh, well, what does it matter about the Genesis story? Just tell me about Jesus. Mm. Anybody ever heard that before? Mm. I've I've heard that recently. Oh, my. Oh, well, it doesn't. Oh, well, well, that all doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. It all that. And here's the thing. The seeds of our New Testament doctrine are found in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Paul and his writings tied his teachings to Genesis. Mm-hmm. Right? So that understanding how the beginning of the story goes is directly tied to Jesus. Does that make sense? 
Here, here's a bit of an example to help you with that. I don't know if anybody's ever heard this. It is common in certain areas of Christianity that God used evolution as a tool for creation. Anybody ever heard that before? I've heard that. We've, I've heard that and had those discussions. That, well, it doesn't matter if it was millions of years mm-hmm. because God, He just used evolution to create what we know today. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and the challenge that I say when we, people, and I talk to people, I say, well, no, if that's true, then Jesus didn't need to come. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, because Paul said, that by one man's offense, Adam, <clears throat> death came in and reigned. So if sin, and by one man's death we are made alive. Right? But if God just used a process of birth, pass on your genes, die, birth, pass on your genes, because that's evolution, right? Survival of the fittest. Death is a part well, then the Paul lied because God brought in death as a tool of creation instead of Adam brought in death through his disobedience. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? So the front, so that's why. So, so, so if if Adam did not sin and bring in death, and God used death as a tool for creation, Jesus did not need to come. Because God would be fighting himself. And Paul, bigger than that, is Paul would have been lying. So anything Paul said, we need to tear out and get away with it. Because Paul tells us in the New Testament, it was by one man's offense, death reigned. Therefore, by one man's sacrifice, life reigned. Do you see? So the, our New Testament doctrine and the story of Christ. So that's why if anybody asks you, uh, I am... We are, as a church family, a what's called a young earth creationist in our theological doctrine. That's what you'll hear me teach you. I believe that in seven literal 24-hour days, God created the heavens and the earth. Because I believe that's what Scripture teaches us. I don't believe God used millions of years and eons of time in between the days. Right? Right. God in seven literal days created the world. Does that make sense? Anyhow, now, Caleb, what was your question? Oh, so what after, I don't know, I guess it stayed there and, and deteriorated ever how far they got it. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to the Tower of Babel. It just says that God dispersed them. Now, you might be familiar with what the area of Babel became known as. Can you tell me the name of a famous Bible city that sounds real close to Babel? Babylon. <clears throat> so in, from Babylon, Babel and Babylon is in the same, whether it was the exact same city or whatever, but in that area of what was Babel became the Babylonian Empire, the city of Babylon today, all in that same area. Does that make sense? Is that good? Mm-hmm. All good. All right, any other questions before we do anything else, or what time am I looking at? Seven twenty. Good. Now this is no holds barred. Free questions. Come on. 
Those were very good questions, you guys. Those were very good. Very good questions. So we have been talking about healing and stuff. Uh huh. And That's right. So what, at what point medically do you say, I feel that's unwise? You know, I'm not talking about preaching the gospel. Yeah. Which I understand. That would be a totally different subject. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You can say vaccine. That's the all vaccine. good. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying at what point do you say, okay, Yes, I will pray over this and believe God that nothing bad is going to happen to me. But then, you, you know, we turn around and say, but I'm not going to eat carbs or coats or all these other things because it's bad for me. Yeah, that's right. Well, here we go. So let's, let, we'll come to it and we'll look at it from the Bible. I need to back up just a little bit. There is more to it, but that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'm going to add one, another little thing. Little and when you say, okay, well, I'll just, I'm going to be able to do this. So, I'm talking about keeping your job. Yeah. I'm not talking about yeah. I want to go to yeah. another country to have a vacation. Yeah. No, I don't understand. Tabs wants to go to the country to have a vacation. And no, so. Uh, so, <laughs> so here's. So let's, let's back up and let's talk about how does, how does God guide us and lead us? How, how are we led? So. principally. Yeah. So there's two primary avenues by which God leads us. One of them is this book right here, the Bible. It is the foundational and primary source. The road of, it, it's the roadmap, right? But this is your number one source of guidance. Secondly, and, and if you will, equal in the sense of his authority is the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Word and the Spirit together that guide us. The Spirit will never lead us outside of what's written here. Amen. Right? And they will always work in harmony with each other. That's how you can... Remember what Paul said, test every spirit to see if it's from the Lord. How do you test a spirit? Right. With the Bible. Right? Someone comes up and says, Thus saith the Lord X, Y, and Z. Well, i got to be able to see X, Y, and Z in the Bible. In some way, now this is how, from the pages of Scripture, God leads us either in clear command or overarching wisdom principle, right? The thou shalts or the thou shalt nots, and the hey, it's a really good idea if you or if you don't, X, Y, or Z. Now, third of those three, Paul talked about being led by our conscience, right? He says in Romans chapter 9, my conscience bears witness with the Holy Spirit that I am a son of God. That's Romans chapter 9. You can go there, Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Paul says, I love this, I love how Paul says, I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. I love how Paul put it. <laughs> I tell lying. the truth. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. 
So Paul talked about how his conscience. Now, I want to define the word conscience as the voice of your human spirit. What do you reckon the voice of your human spirit sounds like? You. It sounds a whole lot like you. So when you receive Christ and you were born again and the Holy Spirit moves into you, because you understand it's not Jesus that moved into you, even though I don't disagree with the have you asked Jesus into your heart phrase, Mm -hmm. but more accurately, Jesus via the person of the Holy Spirit is living in your heart because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Right? And I'd have to find it, but in the book of Hebrews, it says that the blood of Jesus, when you believe in it, cleanses your conscience from evil works. It's sprinkled clean. So when you were born again and the Holy Spirit moved into you, your conscience was clean. Have you ever heard a good, and I don't mean to pick on anybody that might be, you ever heard a, a good old Baptist person say, you can't trust your heart, Kevin? Because they quote, I believe, Ezekiel from the Old Testament. Because your heart is desperately wicked, deceitful in all ways. You ever heard that said? And that is true before you're born again. Before you're saved, your heart can't be trusted because it's evil. Mm-hmm. But when you're born again, Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, Paul says your conscience was sprinkled clean with the blood of Jesus. So your conscience is clear. Yeah. So now you can do what the great theologian Jiminy Cricket said. <laughs> right? You can let your conscience be your guide because your conscience is in communion with the Holy Spirit. Because my Proverbs 5, 3, and 6 says, trust in the Lord always. Always. Lean not to your own understanding. That's right. And all thy ways not. And all of him. And he will direct you. That's exactly. And he directs it through the word. And through the Spirit, through clear command, overarching wisdom principle, or by the voice of your conscience. Now, what you're talking about with vaccines falls directly under the voice of your conscience. Mm -hmm. That's where it falls. Because I have no clear command in Scripture that says, thou shalt not get jabbed. Right? Right? I'm not talking about pushing it on Sure. No, sure, sure, sure. I listened to the video that you yeah. did, mm-hmm. and I agree. Yeah. I think it's very good. We mind our own business, and it's in our heart. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if your conscience is saying no. Don't do it. Originally, your conscience was saying no. Yeah. But then when they say, oh, you can't work here anymore, you're like, oh, but I really like this job. <laughs> <laughs> and then your conscience starts to change. Well, well, and it can. So, well, what, now you have to define conscience and your, and your soul. Oh my gosh. What I, what I mean by that is, is this. So, no, 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 no. What, what, what I mean by that, remember you're a three-part person. You're a spirit. You have what the Bible calls a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your passions, your interests, your desires. And you live in the physical body. Your spirit was transformed and born again. And your conscience is the voice of your human spirit. Yeah. That has been born again. But your soul, your emotions, have sometimes yet to be redeemed. And that's why you see people, bless God, I'm not doing this. 
until somebody comes up and goes, yeah, you're going to lose your job. Well. And then their soul, <laughs> and then their soul goes, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea after all. You know? Maybe. That's why I'm trying to tell Seventeenth all the way through the thirty-second verse. Put off the old man. Man, put off the new man. That's right. But 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 when it comes to this, you have to realize what is the voice of my soul versus the voice of my spirit. Because what will sometimes argue with you is your soul and your spirit. And that's what you have to. And now you can get distinction from that from the scriptures again. The only. The only distinction, remember in, in, in Hebrews, thank you, say, you want to say? No, you go anyway, ahead. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, right? The, uh, and I'll read it just to not get it wrong. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than in a two-edged sword. Now notice, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Right? It goes on to say joints and marrow, thoughts and intents of the heart. So the only implement or instrument on planet earth that has the ability to help you divide and distinguish what was my spirit and what was my soul is this book. That's why, again, when it comes to vaccines, you go to Romans chapter 13 and 14. You can read them when you get home. I'll paraphrase for time's sake. Back in Paul's day, when he was writing to the Romans and the Gentile people, idol worship was still a very big thing. People would go to the, in Ephesians, you know, Brother Burke talked about Ephesians was a city. And in the city of Ephesians, Ephesus, thank you, in the, in the city of Ephesus, there was the temple to Diana, the god of fertility and sex. And you worshipped Diana by having sexual relations with temple prostitutes. That was the church service. Nobody was late for that service, I promise. They, they said things like, hurry up, hurry up, we don't want to be stuck with the ugly ones, let's go. And so, um, you know, so... You know, you know, but that that's why that's why there was so much that Paul had to teach about sexual purity. Yeah. No, no, no. It's one man and one woman for your whole life. Here's the imagery. It's not like what we do with the idols. Does that make sense? It's not and so they dealt with stuff. Well part of what also happened in temples is they would sacrifice animals to the God whoever it was. And part of the worship and part of probably the fundraising was, and again, somebody's in here and they're bringing in all these sheep and cows and a good entrepreneurial redneck guy said, you know what, we could start a barbecue joint. We already, they're bringing in the food. We just cook it up a little bit more and run it out the back. Little cha-ching for the temple. Man, a little bit of fellowship afterwards, not a problem. And that was all part of it. And it was a dilemma for new Christians. Because it was in their culture. It was mandated in certain aspects of things to be done. It was an expectation that was given. Again, when you look back at Ephesians and the, the people at Ephesus, there were whole industries that were connected to that temple. Yeah. 
Right. And and people, so there was probably not too dissimilar of, hey, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, then your shop doesn't get frequented, your business goes down, this goes down. And it was a dilemma. Now, Paul, when he was dealing with this, Paul said things like this. He says, it's a dumb idol. Piece of wood. It's a piece of wood, a piece of marble or whatever it's yeah it's yeah whatever it is right he says i can eat whatever it don't bother me but i know some people's conscience won't let them do that right he says so in matters of conscience whether we eat i eat paul said i can go in there into the glory of god have me a barbecue sandwich put extra pork on that sucker i'm a jew Right, you gotta, you gotta, th- you, you, you know, and, and and Paul said, and I'm good, right? I, and I'm actually doing it to the glory of God because I am free. I see. Uh, nowadays, because it's the month of October, you see the Halloween. Yeah, that's the exact same way. I said, you know, I'm not gonna let my kids go. They're not allowed to do something. Yeah. Like that. But I'm not worshiping. Yeah. While you're there, though. That's exactly right. So how far does that go? That's a great question. So here's here's the thing. So in that, and, and so Paul talks first about his own conscience. He said, if another brother, if your conscience offends you at the eating, then don't do it because to you it'll be seen. Right. He goes on to the Romans, and in that same chapter he says, and anything not, yeah, anything not done in faith is sin. Whatever it is, if I can't do it in belief, then I shouldn't do it. Does that make sense? And so some of this now, what you're talking about uh, is the whole idea of I'm governed by other people's consciences too. So in the, in the question of conscience, I'm not just governed by my own. I'm also governed by the lanes. Again, here's a big topic that would be here in, in the South especially. Drinking. Right? Right? Because the, the drinking, right? Yeah. You, you know. Uh, the Bible talks about, again, a good example. The Bible says clearly, as a clear command, do not get drunk and do not be given. Those are the two clear commands. Right? Don't, don't be drunk and don't be given. Right? Other than that, that's all it says. Right? So now, wisdom would teach us, hey, you know what? We, I got to know me. If I don't have much self-control, I got to use some wisdom and I need to avoid some things because I know me, right? Like for me, you want to know my bigger thing? It wasn't, you know, this is going to get really nosy. It wasn't drinking. It was a devilish, evil, Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> right? Because I used to. My conscience says they're fine. My conscience did too for years until I realized every time I went by one and that little hot sign was on, you just had to go. And, and you just had to have a dozen by your little lonesome. Sounds like you were given. It sounds like I was given, doesn't it? Yes, I could be one and be done. I, I ate a dozen. I know. And I cons- and, you know. Yeah, I said you need a dozen. That's right. Does that make sense? And so, so some of those things stand back and go, okay, I'm not going to be given to anything. 
right? I'm not going to be given to whatever. It's not going to have a domination over me. It's not I wrong. have one Lord. I have one That's Lord. Jesus. And He is in control. And He has my heart. And He tells me what I do and what I don't do. That's right. Right? Does that make sense? Yes, sir. And so you look at that kind of stuff, right? So, but coming back to the drinking one, again, I'm, I'm, I have no problems drinking beer. I've, I've had some of the best God conversations with unbelieving people while drinking a beer. I figure if God was, if Jesus would have been born in Alabama, he'd have turned the water into beer. Just not, just not domestic, right? It would have been, <laughs> he would have imported it. It would have been a good beer. But, uh, but again, back then, but if I know that Delane would have a problem with it, that I'm governed by his conscience. Even though I'm free and there's nothing wrong, I love my brother. Here's a, a, a living example we did when we lived in Mexico. Some, I think I've told this before. One of the leadership couples had a vacation home somewhere and it was coming up on like a long holiday weekend and we were not going back to the States. And so Alberto and Patty said, Alberto said, Brad, why don't y'all come down to our place down in Coco Yoke with us and spend the holiday with us. We'd love to just get to know you better. Sweet. You bet. Yeah. Love this missionary stuff. This is awesome. <laughs> and let's go. So we went down to this place and we're packed up. We're all excited. No kids at the time. The first night there, we have a nice meal. And I whip out. We had picked up rummy or hearts or some game that we liked, card game. Pick up some cards. Hey, Alberto, y'all want to play rummy? And you watched his eyes get big like, he was Pastor Brad, you, 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 you play cards? And I stopped instantly and said, Yes. Now let's talk about this. Right? What what's going on? And he tells me, he goes, Well, before I met Jesus, I had a gambling problem. And I almost ruined our family with cards. And when I the night I got saved, I told Father I would never touch cards ever again in my life. I said, Brother, we don't have to do nothing. We can we can do whatever what you want to do. Right? It's, I went with a deck of cards in one pocket and a pair of dice. That's right. But, but does that make sense? I so, couldn't find some place to gamble with cards. I'd go roll them bones. <laughs> that's all. And but, I was good at it, too. He was, I bet. I've changed all of that. Amen. Well, those are, so, to, so for, that's what that means. I'm governed by another's conscience. Now, in, in question of what you're doing, uh, my encouragement is is we need to discern in the day in which we're living now the voice of my spirit and the voice of my soul. Because a whole lot of what we hear going on today is soulish. Is people's soul. Yeah. Even in Christian circles. Yep. People rattling sabers. And we got the it's prejudice. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same spirit as Black versus white. Mm -hmm. It's the same spirit that would try to divide us. Mm -hmm. To sit there and go, well, I'm the non-vaxxed. We're better than. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, well, we're the vaxxed and we're better than. Well, right? I don't know whether they've been better than anybody else, <laughs> but I met somebody that was better than people. They Amen. That's right. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. I agree. But as we, as we talk about this, it's that to determine what your conscience is. Yeah, that really helps the spirit, soul, and 
Yes. You know, knowing that which comes out of where. Yes. So again, and that's that, and you've all, and again, how many of you ever had this happen? It's, you either knew, like you knew, knew, or you, it's like you heard yourself, but you weren't talking. And I've heard it in our charismatic called the proverbial check in your spirit. The proverbial stop. Paul talked about it like this. He says, the spirit arrested me. He stopped me dead in my tracks and would not let me go to Asia. Mm -hmm. the, the, so so is, it could be said, if you don't have enough, sure. so, and you don't have, if you have this, I don't know how to say this, I don't think anybody can say it, that it's opposing a vaccine. Yeah. We'll be like, oh, I just have peace about getting that vaccine. Some people do. Well, I'm talking about people who originally don't. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Well, here's the thing. There, there's so much... Yeah, well, there's so much controversy over this. That's what I'm saying. So, um, Brother Andrew. I'm not trying to make it political. No, no, I'm no. I'm just talking about basically, we are, some people already don't do vaccines. Yeah. So it's not like it's, I'm just talking about in general. Yeah. And they've already made that decision. Yeah. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Sam? So when we were at the conference, Brother Andrew said that a lot of us are going to have to deal with this in the coming days and years and whatnot. And, you know, we already have several people, especially my family and people like that in Canada, where most of them, you can't even meet for Thanksgiving with your family if you're not vaccinated and your neighbors turn you in, right? And so um, they're already having to really cross these lines in a bigger way, if you will. But one of the things that he talked about was just if, if he had somebody come up to him and say, well, Brother Andrew, I just really don't feel like I need to be getting this. And I feel like the Lord is just like, don't do this. But I'm going to lose my job. And he said, well, if the Lord said no, then it's no. And guess who your provider is? It's yeah. not your job. He's your provider. And he will help you find something. Yeah. And that just happened to my sister. She literally just got a notice from her employer, current employer. And... um. I mean, it got, it got to the point where the, the manager was just like, just get the job. Seriously, what is the problem with you? Do you realize? And he just tried to shame her and guilt her into doing it. And she was just like, no, no. And so she went and just prayed about it, asked us to agree in prayer with her. And she's just like, I just don't feel peace on getting this. I still want to have kids. And she just had a lot of different reasons why she felt like she was not going to get this. And within three days, the Lord provided a job for her. Uh, he, he led her to go to a, a ministry where I used to work in Canada. And she went and applied and they got, and you know what they said to her? They said, we don't really have a position for you, but you're such gold to have here. You're hired. We'll figure it out later. You're hired. Right. So now God has got her in a position where um, she's going to be ministering to people, helping people, getting paid. It's one of the best uh, ministries to work for um, up there and all of that. So the blessing it far outweighs. Now, it's not within her like she was a dental hygienist person. She's not making the same not, money. She's, well, she might very well, oh, oh, but oh, because that ministry is, is, is a good ministry. But at the same time, it's not in her field. 
but God opened a door. That's right. And it's only the next step we're talking about. We're not talking rest of your life. Right. We're talking what's the next step. That's yeah. all we got to think about is what's, what's the next step. Next? And really, I feel a lot of times where we waver is more of a trust issue than even a conscience issue. Yeah. When we waver, it's more a trust issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more of a if, if people didn't let Brad now go into their homes and work um, on their homes and stuff because he's yeah, not vaccinated or whatever, then it, it boils down to, well, can I trust God? But that's what my original point was. You know, we, we talked about, you know, doing things that help us be healthier. Yeah. You know, and if you have a feeling that this possibly could have health Complications. Problems, Complications, sure. Okay, you think that already, and then you're going to do it, yeah. You're just hoping and you're gonna I'm sorry, I'm just yeah. saying yeah. It's I'm the, not gonna go eat raw meat or something really sick and say nothing is gonna harm me. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now that's all I had. That's, that's different. It's a little different. Yeah. But there are options at this yeah. point. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. At what point you know I'm trying to be like you so you're purposely trying to believe God. Yeah. And the other thing too is we just read it is the whole if you can't do it in faith. Yes. Yeah. If you're just kind of like, ah, let's just hope. That's not really That's not the confidence that you're immovable and no matter what, right? What brother, yeah. that video that we posted on our, on our timeline about that was, okay, no. And, and for what he was saying was flying into different countries and, and he knew he needed to be there. So vaccines for that country were mandatory. And so he's like, okay, well, bless God. I know God told me to go there. And so no evil thing will harm me. And it's a whole different thing than if you're like, well, I really want to, that you're not immovable. I know. Right. Yeah. And that's an exact. So we've, we've said before as a church family, I want none of us to do anything from fear. So I'm not getting vaccinated because I'm afraid. I'm not staying unvaccinated because, I'm, because afraid. I'm afraid. We do it all because, nope, this is what Father has said to me. Right? Because, again, it's like what, that's why I liked when I posted that thing from Brother Keith Moore. It's like the food off. To me, this vaccine is like that food offered to idols. There are those who will take it to the glory of God because they know they need to take it by faith. So when they take it, they're taking it to the glory of God. <laughs> and there's those who are saying, no, I'm not going to take it because I feel like that's what I was. And they're not doing it to the glory of God. And both is okay. It's, it's, it's your own choice. Again, and people ask me, and this is, this is Brad. Selena, I thought this is Brad's decision. For the sake of the gospel, I would get vaccinated. If, if I felt like the Lord said, Brad, I, I'm opening the door. I need you to go to XYZ place. And they said, well, you got to prove, prove vaccination. Right? I said, okay. Poke me. I said, now I'm going to bless it. I'm not just, I mean, again, like you said, if I'm going to eat a cheeseburger and say, Jesus, in, in the name of Jesus, you're going to turn this into something healthy for me. Right? Right? Praise God. 
Amen. Amen. If I do that with a cheeseburger, you can it's, be sure as shooting I'm doing it with a backside. It's the whole John G. Lake, put the bubonic plague on, in my hand. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, curse it and it's going to die. Yes. Yeah. That's that unmovable. Yeah. Well, just so y'all know, I do that when I take ibuprofen. Because, I mean, again, the studies show you ibuprofen wrecks your liver. Kills it. So every time I go to take ibuprofen, I say, Lord, I thank you that somebody invented this. Because my head hurts really bad right now. And I'm going to take this, and I bless it in Jesus' name, and it'll do me no harm and only good. Amen. And the side effects they say is there, they will not touch me because you said it. If I take up anything deadly, it shall by no means hurt me. In Jesus' name, maybe, and take that and hurt me. It'll do good and no bad. It'll do good and no bad. Does that make sense? And you look at this kind of stuff, it's the, but these kind of things, I would say, for the sake of the gospel. Not because I feel that there's an evil, wicked agenda. Right? Matt, can I back up this a little bit? Because somebody else come here. You, you understand, like, from that day... When the snake talked to Eve, there's always been an evil, wicked agenda. Y'all, everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, we act like all of a sudden we all get up in arms like this is the first time there's been an evil agenda unleashed upon the planet. And we just know from day one when we were deceived, there's been an evil agenda going and we've stood against them all. I mean, again, and I'm looking forward to when Brother Barry puts it out there. Brother Barry Bennett talked about that. Who wrote the book? What is he it? Healed them all. He healed them all. About two months later, finds out yeah, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Love the fact when when uh, his wife hands him the book and says, "Hey, mom, read the book." <laughs> you know, and, 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 and then and he says. He realized, and I, we were sitting at dinner with him that day, and he says, and I finally realized, oh yeah, I wrote this book for me. <laughs> I, I thought I was writing it for all of y'all, but I didn't realize I was writing this book for me. But he talked about when he was there and what to do, and he, he was believing for healing, and the Holy, Holy Spirit told him, said, um, do whatever they say. And don't look, and it, don't up. look it up on WebMD. Okay, that's and, and, Jesus. There. Yeah, and so, yes. but, but Jesus is, and so, and uh, Pastor Mark and I were talking about this today, and it's a good conversation for us to meditate on. You know, David said, and I forgot what psalm it was in. David said, I will seek the Lord with my whole spirit and my whole soul. I will seek him with both. And I think as we talk about things, especially with healing, I think it's important for us, like you said, Lisa, I'm with you. God, I believe you, you took every sickness and every disease. You've healed me completely. And, Lord, what do I need to do? Again, if y'all, that's how I pray. We pray that many times over ourselves when we're fighting sickness. And, and I'll have her lay hands on me or I'll lay hands on myself or the kids will come pray for me. 
We say, Lord, thank you so much that healing was done at the cross. Right? That I have been paid for by the stripes of Jesus and I receive the healing you brought for me. And in that same prayer, I say, and if there's anything I need to be doing in the natural, anything I need to be giving up, adding to, whatever, I thank you, Holy Spirit, you will show me all things so that my soul and my body can work together with the reality of what you did on the cross. Because some, and I I don't mean this, I know this is a little bit different, but it's, it's, and I know this is kind of like a yo mama thing, but most of our diseases in America, like the large percentage of our diseases in America, they're actually, they're titled diseases of affluence. Right? They're diseases because we're a wealthy place. Heart disease, diabetes, most cancers, like 80-something percent of all cancers are from diet, right, and or, and or lack of exercise, <clears throat> right? And so many times it's one of those kind of things, and I saw people in the Yomami, you know, we talk about heart disease. You know, many times, we're, you know, we're like Fred Sanford, oh, Lord, it's the big one, Elizabeth. You know, Lord, <laughs> heal me. Touch me, Elizabeth. Oh, touch me, Lord. You know, and, and I think he will. And at the same time, he'll say, hey, Brad, quit eating. The Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Put right. that donut down. You know, I, I don't know if we ever told y'all this story. There was another one that was there. It was a lady. I don't know if you remember her, but she she traveled with us. Well, not as a crusade team, but when we were with Brother Hagen, she would come to all the meetings. And we noticed she was always on all these fad diets. This lady, she was obese. She was quite heavy. And she was in all of these. She was always doing these uh Different, whatever was the new, whatever was the new diet, she was on, right? Whatever was the new diet, this lady was on it, and she disappeared. She quit coming to some of the meetings, right? And we we didn't know what happened to her. And then she finally she showed up after being gone for a number of months. And when she showed up again, we were all looking, and she had lost a lot of weight. And we were like going, everybody was going, hey, is that you know, is that is that who? Because that looks like, but that. She ain't the same shake, right? I mean, you know, and so, and so we finally find out, yep, that was her. And one of the team came up and said, well, hey, sister, so good to see you. You're looking great. Man, what, what finally worked for you? And she laughed. She said, ha, ha, well, I just went on the Holy Spirit diet. Amen. And we looked and we said, the what? And she says, yeah, I figured Brother Hagen keeps talking about it. He'll show us all things. And I've been trying everything under the sun and it never worked. So every time now I go to a restaurant, I go to eat, I just talk to him and say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to eat today? Come on. I'm sorry. And she opens up the menu and, and she said, and there was a long time for every day he said, sweetie, you need the salad. <laughs> and, and, get, and get the low fat dressing. Right? And he says, but every now and then I'd open up the menu and he says, you know, today you can have a piece of pie. And she just followed the voice of the Holy Spirit and lost over 100 pounds. Because she said, I, I think I'll just go on the Holy Spirit diet. And so she would just open up and talk. So does this, So a lot of this, Alicia, again, is this kind of stuff, what do I need to do? I would encourage all of us when it comes to the vaccine to quiet our soul. Because some people's souls are stirred up on the loss of a job, the loss of the proverbial benefits. The loss of the this, the loss of the that. And it's got our soul stirred up. 
And so we just need to quiet our soul down by saying, Lord, you're my provider. You're the one who takes care of me. You, and if so if I don't need to do this, right, then you'll show me that I don't need to do it. And you'll take care of like our sister-in-law. Right? 